Red buses come along every now and then, don't they? Two coatses in one morning. Aren't we privileged? Or then again, you might just want a colouring sheet. So, uh, good morning, everyone, and... I spent ages thinking that one up. For those of you, of you that don't know me, I'm, I'm Graham Coates. Uh, I always have been Graham Coates. And I'm married to lovely Helen. We moved to Alton at the turn of the century. And we... <laughs> which century? Um, and we've been with you lovely lot ever since, rubbing shoulders through good and bad and, and just doing life together. And it's been a privilege. Um, by profession, I've been called to be an optometrist. And what that means is that my day, do- day job is involved in trying to maximise people's vision. I do that a lot in Petersfield, a little bit more in Hampshire generally, and particularly in the developing world. I'm becoming increasingly less responsible for two lovely kids. Uh, One, Emily, we've heard from already this morning, and my son, Joshua, who's an amazing young lad. I, I really am a truly blessed husband and father. I was always taught that at the beginning of a talk, you ought to give the audience some idea of what's about to happen. And so that's just a, <laughs> a rough idea to sketch out. It gives you a context, it gives you a t- chance to go for a toilet stop, and if you need to go and get an ice cream, there might be some available, but there might not be. Anyway, just to give you a rough idea. This morning... I will bring a word of encouragement by considering a well-known parable and I'm going to ask that it helps us to awaken our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Uh, Recently, most of the family went on holiday to Kefalonia, which is a lovely Greek island. Uh, beautiful time, with my, particularly with my father. My brother came over from America, and we had a lovely time as a family. The skies were crystal blue. We didn't see a single cloud through the whole time. The seas were unbelievably clear, good for snorkeling. We had a lovely time. Now, if any of you know me well, I, I like to wander off with my camera, And that's what I did one day. I went for a walk. And as I was walking, I saw a signpost that directed me to an amphitheater. And so I thought, sounds good. So I climbed up a hill and found this. I wasn't really sure what to make of it. The juxtaposition of an overgrown amphitheatre with a sad-looking, forgotten tennis court. As I stood looking at this crazy scene, God quietly spoke to me. 
he showed me that this tired scene was how many people view their lives. Unloved. A bit tired, really. In decay. Given up. Hopes of success and joy had faded. And as a bit of a spectator, really, in world happening around them, and them feeling like they were missing out. I felt, I felt a bit ill at ease, really, looking at the scene and feeling God just talked to me about it. I could feel the hurt and disappointment of a sad picture. And yet I also felt a strong conviction that our Heavenly Father wants so much more for us, for us, for us to live life to the full. Jesus tells us in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they might have life and might have it abundantly. In the Greek, it's actually full to overflowing. That's not... You have to be in Greece in Catalonia to know that. That's the translation in Greek, just to make that sure. This morning, our Heavenly Father wants to remind us all that there is hope. But how do we find hope in despair? Hope in defeat? Hope when we feel far away, when everything is pants, really. In the stupendous hymn, Crown Him With Many Crowns, halfway through the first verse, we read, Awake my soul and sing. I don't know when you get to that bit in that hymn where that excites you. But I just want to dwell on that over the next few minutes. We find hope if we awaken our souls to the love that the Father has for us. I want us to have a look at the parable of the prodigal son as a means of awakening our relationship with our Father and finding our way home again. So in a moment, we're going to look at Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. But what's a parable? Um, many of you might know. What's a parable? Because if you read the Bible and you certainly come through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus spends a lot of time using parables to explain things. So what's a parable? A simple story to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus used parables in a very profound way 
to get truth through to us in a simple way that just opens some doors. And I want to help us this morning to maybe look at one parable and see how he speaks to us through it. Uh, Helen's going to come and read it to us. I've also got it on the overhead as well. So whichever method you like, just feel free. So Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still A long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. 
and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thank you. Three coats is in one morning. So we've got a cast of three, a father and two sons. The, the story clearly uh, starts off and concentrates on the younger son, um, who feels life would probably be better anywhere than being with his father. So I've got four points about awakening our soul and coming back to our Father. The first one is awake to longing. The first step to awakening our soul is to give voice to our inner disquiet. That, that, that feeling that surely there must be more to life than this. Don't be surprised at this. Because God has put in each of us a longing for love, a longing for purpose, a longing for meaning. It's that quest to satisfy these basic longings that sends us all on a bit of a journey, really. The youngest son in our story had to find that answer for himself. So he went on a journey of discovery. He was a bit lost to himself and, and to his father if he stayed at home. If you want to awaken your soul this morning, start by emitting your bit of disquiet, your frustration, your longing for a deeper, richer, more abundant life. I love this quote. It's never too late to be what you might have been. And to begin, let's begin. Awake to our need for help. You may have already set off with a desire to find answers. That may take the form of loose living, as in the case of the young son in the story, or probably more realistically for many of us, a simple attempt to do things in our own strength. If only I could get a bit of a better job that was paid more. If only I really could get that Bugatti Veyron. If you don't know what a Bugatti Veyron is, you need to look it up. Another great quote. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but succeeding at things in life 
that don't really matter. Pretty good quote. We could base our life around that, I think. I'm trying to. I think we're all trying. As long as we try and make things work without God, we will fail again and again. We will tire. Our souls will go into slumber. We will be a shadow of our true selves. Like my scene in Kefalonia, we will feel forgotten, unloved. And this is a bit I just feel God wants to pin home a bit more. Spectating as life passes us by. We don't want to do that. We want to be fully involved. If this is how you feel this morning, rejoice. Because if you've hit rock bottom, you will have realized you need a bit of help. In good old Nathan fashion, can you turn to the person next to you and say, listen to Graham now. <laughs> if you take nothing else from anything I'm saying this morning, just listen up for the next few seconds. Verse 17 and 18 tells us that after sampling this shallow life and finding it wanting, the young son, when he came to his senses, he said, I'll get up and go to my father. I can give you no better advice this morning. Each and every day, Whatever is going on in your life, whether it's great, whether it's sad, whether you feel downhearted, whether you feel in the pits, or whether it's sort of okay, but you're just tired. When you've come to your senses, get up and go to the Father. Every day, every moment. Awake to the Father's love. I don't really know what you expect will happen when you do this. So I'm talking about you're on your journey, you come to your senses, and you've decided to go and find Father again. I don't know what you think will happen. I think everything will depend on your view of God. The young son did not feel worthy to be welcomed back and at best hoped to be treated as a hired worker. You may be thinking that everything you've done, after everything you've done, how can you expect to receive mercy and compassion? Well, prepare to make a quantum leap in your belief system. As you grow close to your father you will be ambushed by grace. Whatever concept you have of God, 
Jesus clearly teaches us in this parable that we have a father who is constantly looking out for us and sees us when we're far off. A father who feels compassion for his children because that's his nature. It's his default setting. He can do no other. It's got nothing, absolutely nothing, to do with what you have or have not done. You cannot earn this mercy. A father who runs, not walks, not stands still, yes, runs to all those who start the journey back to him. And if this isn't enough, a father who embraces and kisses his beloved child and holds a banquet to welcome them home. Please understand this morning, you could not be more loved by your Heavenly Father. I repeat, it's his default setting. He cannot change. And awake to life. This sounds good. We can spend a whole life trying to do good, attending church, following the letter of the law, but miss the whole point. The older son never legged it. He never disobeyed his father. But he also never had a relationship with him. He never availed himself of all the good things the father freely provided for him at all times. Do you think our heavenly father wants us to have head knowledge of him? No. He wants us to begin to live. To realize that all that is mine is yours. When we, when we know we are loved, we're free to be ourselves. To be genuine. To be thankful. To be generous. And to be courageous. Got all the points in? Yes. Uh, a couple of great quotes. One day we shall die. I hope that's not a surprise. But all the other days we shall be alive. Yes! <laughs> Act as though what you do makes a difference, because it does. Uh, I started by showing you a photo, didn't I? An image of decay, confusion, sadness, a place lacking hope. 
I walked a little further up the road and felt compelled to take another photo. This one. The ground's rocky. It looks like the tree's been there, uh, been through a few wars, but it stands firm. The sun's shining. Its roots are deep. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, not the music group, tells us that in the middle of the Garden of Eden, there were two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, from which Adam and Eve were instructed by God to not eat. But there was also a tree of life. Did you notice that when you read it? It's standing there so obviously in the middle of the garden. There's two trees. The tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Adam and Eve had a choice. Guess which one they chose. They chose to eat from the one they shouldn't have done. That's actually our temptation for each of us every day. We sort of, sort of like choosing knowledge, stuff. But you know what? We have a choice every day to eat from the tree of life. Whether this is simply poetic pictorial language, I don't really care. Our Heavenly Father has his arms open wide to awaken our souls, to encourage us to choose life each and every day. In summary... Do you know that film? I love it. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. Great film. Wherever you are on your journey, come to your senses. Go and find Father. He's constantly looking out from you from afar. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to have life, abundant life. Praise God. I'm going to say one thing, actually. I wasn't going to say this. When I was walking here, There was someone trying to get into their house. I heard them on the phone. They were phoning someone to say they were locked out. Our father won't lock us out. The door's open. He wants us to have life and have it abundantly. Praise God.